Welcome back to our study of the Psalms. We are looking at Psalm 31 today, another Psalm of David that begins this way. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. So there in the beginning, David is calling upon God, asking God to hear him, to rescue him, to save him, to be his refuge. Again, this idea of God as refuge is one that we see often in the Psalms. And it's not surprising, right, given David's um, military experience, a refuge uh, would be a, a place that you would be safe and protected. Um, and when you're out on a military campaign, right, it would make sense to be thinking of and preparing for uh, a place of refuge, to have a place of refuge. And, and David uh, often calls upon God to be that place, right, to be that protection for him. Verse 3, he says, For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your namesake you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. So he asks God to be his refuge in the opening verses. And then in the next set of verses, he says, you are my refuge. Uh, and he says, I trust you with my life. When he says, into your hand, I commit my spirit. Essentially what he's saying there is, God, I, I entrust my whole self to you. I entrust my life to you. Of course, Jesus quotes that uh, verse of this psalm from the cross. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. So we'll come back to that. Then verse 6, he says, I hate those who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction. You have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. So David contrasts himself with those who trust in idols. And he says, I trust in the Lord. I trust in God. I not in idols. And he says, God has helped me, right? Um, he says, you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. In other words, you've protected me. You have set my feet in a broad place, right? A, a, an open place uh, where I can stand and, and likely be at peace, probably also uh, in mind there as well. Verse 9 and 10, he says, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. So here David's asking for grace and he's acknowledging his sin and that his sin has brought um, painful consequences into his life, right? He's, he speaks of his sorrow and sighing, um, his strength failing, his I wasted from grief, right? He speaks of um, his soul and, and his body as well. So he has experienced um, suffering, pain, difficulty, hardship of some sort as a result of his iniquity. He's not saying he's sinless. He's not saying he's perfect. He's acknowledging in this instance, some of what I'm experiencing, I have brought on myself. And so God, I'm asking you for grace. I'm asking you to be gracious to me. And then verse 11 to 13, he says, because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors and an object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who see me in the street flee from me. I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. 
for I hear the whispering of many, terror on every side, as they scheme together against me, as they plot to take my life. So now David is talking about his adversaries, his enemies, and um, because he has these enemies, it has affected his relationship to other people, right? His neighbors, he says to them, he's become a reproach, right? They uh, probably don't want anything to do with him. Um, he's an object of dread to his acquaintances. He's the kind of person that you don't want to bump into, even though you kind of know him. You don't want to be associated with him. You don't want to be connected to him because of his enemies, because of what's going on in his life. So now David is saying, look, I have these people who, he says, they're, they're plotting against me, right? And that has affected my relationship with other people in a, in a negative way. Uh, so he's experiencing both consequences of his own sin, and he's experiencing consequences of um, his enemy's animosity toward him. He says, verse 14, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from my persecutors. Make your face shine on your servants. Save me in your steadfast love. O Lord, let me not be put to shame, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak insolently against the righteous in pride and contempt. So now he's saying uh, in these verses, he says, um, I trust you, Lord. I, I trust you. So rescue me and put my enemies to shame. Don't let, don't let me be the one who's put to shame because I'm trusting in you. Let my enemies be put to shame because they don't trust in you. They don't turn to you. And then he says, verse 19, Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and worked for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of the children of mankind, in the cover of your presence, you hide them from the plots of men. You store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. So now he says that God is overflowing in goodness to those who trust him, right? He has this uh, abundance, he says in verse 19, the abundance of God's goodness, um, which he says you've stored up for those who, fe who fear you. You're just waiting to pour it out upon them. So those who trust in the Lord receive and experience his goodness. And then verse 21, blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I had said in my alarm, I'm cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. So he uh, says the Lord is blessed and that God has been faithful to him. He's shown steadfast love to him. There was a time when David uh, was afraid, when he thought he was cut off from the Lord. And yet even at that time, God heard his cries, right? Um, when David was asking him for help, God rescued him in his distress. And then verse 23 and 24, it says, love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. So he calls upon us to love the Lord, uh, to continue to wait for the Lord, or he's really assuming that we're already doing that and calls upon us to be strong and reminds us that God preserves his people, right, the faithful, uh, but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. So God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Um, so that's that's what the psalm is about. Now, how does this psalm connect to Jesus? We already mentioned he quotes this psalm 
on the cross in Luke 23, 46, it says, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So Jesus is using the words of this psalm there um, to communicate really the same thing David was, just at a more poignant moment, right? But this, the, the idea is the same, that I'm entrusting my whole self to you. I'm trusting you with my life. David's doing that in a time of distress. Jesus is doing that with essentially his last breath, right, or almost his last breath. Um, Jesus also um, suffered for sin. David talks about suffering because of his sin. Jesus suffered for sin, but not his own sin, right? Jesus had no sin, and so there was no reason for him to suffer for sin because he had no sin of his own, but he did suffer for our sin. So he suffers under sin like David did, but in his case, he's suffering on our behalf. He's suffering because he's taken our sin upon himself. He's, in that way, his suffering is unlike David's because David is suffering for his own sin. Uh, and also, Jesus knows what it's like to be plotted against, um, what it's like to be cut off uh, from those around you, right? Like David talks about um, in verses 11 to 13. Um, Jesus, when he was betrayed, right, his disciples um, left, right, and um, Jesus protected them, right, but then they uh, scattered, as it were, and uh, people were plotting Jesus' death. Judas plotted his betrayal, uh, so Jesus knows uh, what those kinds of things are like as well and experienced those things to an even greater degree uh, than David did. Uh, how can we learn to pray from this psalm? Well, ask God to deliver you, of course, and also tell him that you trust him with your life. Um, he's He's worthy of that trust. Uh, sometimes there's something in us, right, that wants to hold back from a complete and total trust in God. But we we should be able to say, God, we we trust you with our life. And into my hands, I commit your spirit, my spirit. Uh, confess your troubles and griefs to the Lord. David does that. Uh, it's not whining, right? It's honesty. It's transparency. It's confession, right? It's it's um, humility, right? To say, God, I'm I'm hurting. I'm struggling. It, maybe even it's my fault, but I'm still asking you to to help me and get me out of this and and to uh, pour out your grace upon me. Um, also, feel free to pray for the wicked to be thwarted. For, for their evil plans to come to an end, for God to stop them. That's a good thing to pray. Um, and then finally, bless the Lord for the good he has done to you. Sometimes we forget that. We ask him for lots of things. We forget to thank him for all the things he's already done, all the prayers he has answered. Uh, so remember to do that as well. God bless.